wanted to get quick information about the weekly Sabbath school lesson? Well, you're nearly there. Just press the button and you will get important key informations about the weekly theme. Easy to understand. Short inversion, 5 minutes each day, 30 minutes each week. You will be well prepared for Sabbath in church. Your friends will be astonished about your knowledge. Promise, God's everlasting covenant. How can it be that the Most High of the universe is willing to make a covenant with you? How can it happen that a relationship with your Creator may succeed? Grace be with you, and peace, from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. We're going to study this theme, to promise God's everlasting covenant. Lesson 8, Covenant Law. Our memory text for this week, we can find in Totonomies, Chapter 7, verse 9. Know therefore that the Lord your God is God. He is the faithful God, keeping his covenant of love to a thousand generations of those who love him and keep his commandments. Those who love him and keep his commandments. That's the point. The election of Israel. Why has God chosen Israel as a people? Why so? It is not the mightiest people on earth. Not the mightiest nation, of course not. They're not the richest, the wealthiest nation. No. So why? Why were they called? Hmm. It's something which the mystery lies at the beginning. Abraham, the father of Israel. He was one who trusted God and who loved God. 
And Abraham should tell about this relationship to God, to his children. And they should tell their children. And they should tell their children. And so on and on and on. And then, after some time, there was a nation. It started with Abraham and Sarah. And in the end, there is a nation following God. Hopefully following God. Because from time to time, we can see that they did not trust God as they should have trusted him. And then they had they had to experience consequences which were not so fine for them. But God wanted the Israelites to be a light. They should be blessed when they trusted him. And then the neighboring nations would wonder, why? Why is Israel so blessed? Why is it that they are so protected by their God, that they can prosper, and so on and on and on? Why so? God wanted Israel to prosper, that the nations around Israel would be astonished and would ask themselves, why is it like this? How can that be? They are only a tiny nation. Why is this such a prosperous nation? What is the mystery? And then they will find out, ah, it's their relationship to their God. They are protected and blessed by their God who is God Almighty in the universe. The God who created everything. He is the only God, the only real God in the universe. He is the head of everything. And if you trust him and love him and follow him, you are blessed. And the sense of it, that the neighboring nations discover this blessing and then ask themselves, oh, maybe, can we, can we follow this God as well and be blessed as Israel is blessed? That this was the way. Ties that bind. In Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 13, we read, and this is a repetition of Moses at the end of his lifespan. And he says to them, And he, God, declared unto you his covenant, which, is, which he commanded you to perform, even ten commandments, and he wrote them upon two tables of stone, which we can see here in the background. 
these two tables of stone drawn by the Austrian artist Maximilian Jansche. Here we can see them. These tables of stone, ten commandments, the shortest law in the universe, only ten points. And if they are headed, if these commandments are obeyed, all the people on this planet would live in safety, in happiness. Nobody were afraid, no wars, no poverty, no robbery, no criminals, nothing. No thieves, no breaking of a marriage vow, nothing at all. And on every seventh day, people would keep the Sabbath day. The whole planet, all the humans on it, would live together in harmony. You, won't, you can't believe it? If, if people would obey these Ten Commandments. If they would take, if they took care of these commandments, everything would be in order. Everything. It's interesting that God was able to write down ten points. Only ten points, which are enough. When we look at all the, the, the books of law in a state, and they grow bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger, and day by day new laws are added and added and added, and it grows and grows and grows. In God's law, it's the same. For centuries and centuries and centuries, it's always the same, because it's the best law. There's no need for changing, no need for adding anything. <laughs> it's there, it's complete, it's perfect. <laughs> Everything is there. It's simply great. How can this happen? Yeah, because this law is made by God. And in a relationship, it's important that it can start that you love each other. And then that you are loyal to each other. There are binding ties. A fine relationship can only exist when there are binding ties. So, according to God's law, <coughs> here is love from God's side, and then love from your side, and obeying his commandments. And then it works. That's how this relationship to God is worthwhile. Here we see a secret. A secret for happiness for the people on this planet.
keeping the Ten Commandments. This is the secret. In a way, it's easy and simple. If people kept the commandments. Law within the covenant. When we look at the law, then we could ask, why so? <clears throat> when people are together in a state, in a nation, the more people are, the more complex, the more complicated everything is, and therefore you need rules. And these rules are important. If they are kept, people are safe. If there's trespassing, it will be dangerous. There's a law within the covenant. And God tells us why he made this law for the covenant. In the book Deuteronomy, chapter 10, we read there that God wanted us to, to experience this, this blessings. Here we read in Deuteronomy 10, Verse 13, furthermore, the Lord spoke unto me, saying, I have seen these people, and behold, it is a stiff-necked people. Oh, why so stiff-necked? Let me alone, that I may destroy them and blot out their name from under heaven, and I will make of thee a nation mightier and greater, and greater than they. So I turned, Moses said, he repeats what happened in history, and I came down from the mount, and the mount burned with fire, and the two tables of the covenant were in my two hands. And God arranged it in such a way that the people could experience the blessings. 500 years ago, when the Reformation started, when there was this diet at Worms, where Martin, Martin Luther had to recall and to repent, but he didn't. He was stiff-necked in a positive way. He had experienced how you can be saved. And he told his audience, the emperor and all the, the kings and the elders in the nation of Germany, what is this all about? And neighboring kings were present as well. And the king of Denmark and Norway was there too. And when he came home, he was asked, now, what have you heard about the new emperor? 
And she said, well, there was, there was a monk, Martin Luther. And he told this and that. And he wasn't very impressed, but he, he had a colleague with him, a young one, and this guy was very much impressed and said, wow, that's great. Martin Luther said, we, we shouldn't give our money to Rome. There they will not use it in a correct way. They eat and drink there, the Pope and the cardinals and the bishops, and they have fine days all day long. And our people here are poor and live in poverty. And Martin Luther says, don't send your money to Rome. Use it in your own country. Build schools. Train teachers. Build hospitals. Train people working in a hospital. And then the nation will prosper. And they heard it and said, okay, we'll do this. And they took the young guy, sent away the old king, made the young guy the new king, said, well, we want to start the reformation in Denmark and Norway. And the kingdom was blessed. And then the neighboring nations, Sweden, Finland, they saw it. Said, well, how can it be? Oh, yeah. We do not send our money to Rome. We use it for our own nation. Oh, we could do this as well. So Denmark, Norway, Sweden, Finland, they all together, all the Scandinavian states, did not send their money any longer to Rome, but used it for schools and hospitals and for the personnel there. And these states prospered even today. The stability of God's law. Now, in James chapter 1, verse 17, we read, Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights with whom is no variableness neither shadow of turning. It's from the king of the universe. From him we get every perfect gift. And his law is so perfect, there is no need for changing, for correcting, for adding, because you find out, well, we should take care of this or that. Everything was there. And we find in Malachi chapter 3, verse 6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Oh, what a sentence. This is the stability of God's law. God says, I change not. That's it. When, when you start loving someone and their 
starts a relationship and in the end it ends with a marriage vow, it is the greatest disappointment you can experience if your partner one day says, I love someone else. There is a change in the relationship. And it's very, very, very bitter. It's, it's the worst you can experience. And God is different. He says, I change not. My attitude towards you is love. Love. Everlasting love. It will not change. I love you. I, I do not say one day I love someone else more than I love you, so I will go away. His attitude is the same day by day, year by year, century by century. That's God. This is stability. And we can hold on this. And that's good for our soul, isn't it? You know, there is someone who loves me all day long. There is someone who is strong, who is mighty, and who will be with me forever and ever and ever. Oh, it's great. It's great to see that our God is a God that is full of love for you and does not change at all. In the book of the prophet Amos, we read in chapter 3, verse 3, Can two walk together except they be agreed? <laughs> it's the same with the king of the universe. He loves you. He wants a relationship with you. But can two walk together except they be agreed? He tells you the program for happiness, the program for development, the program for a better life. And if you agree to this program, you will be better off in the end. It will be the best program for you if you trust him, if you love him, and you follow him, and you keep his commandments. Because this is the program. This is the program we need for experiencing happiness. If we do not trust and follow our own attitudes and opinions, then we will see the outcome will be negative. So, love and trust, love and trust, love and trust God, so that you are better off. If In Genesis chapter 18, we read God's opinion about Abraham. And there we find, in verse 19, the following information. 
of from God about Abraham. For I know him that he will command his children and his household after him. And they shall keep the way of the Lord to do justice and judgment. So that the Lord may bring upon Abraham that, that which he has spoken of him. That's it. Here, here is a plan. If you follow this plan, you are blessed. If you do not follow this plan, you will be cursed. But <laughs> you, you do it by yourself. God wants you to be blessed. But if you do not follow the best program in the universe, that's your choice. So if someone asks me, why do I have to follow? If you want to be blessed, I want to be blessed, but I do not want to follow. <laughs> this sounds like um, I'm willing to be washed, but I'm not willing to be touched by water. <laughs> there are two which belong together. If you want to be washed, cleansed, you need water. You can't exclude <laughs> it. Otherwise, there will be no washing. That's simple. But in the relationship to God, it's as simple as that. If you love him and trust him and keep his commandments, there are only ten, he has told us, yeah, then, then you will be better off. So why not follow him? I don't, don't want to. Blessing, goodbye. That's it. It belongs together, keeping the commandments, but out of a loving attitude. That's important. Because the Pharisees at Jesus' time, they tried to keep all the laws, and they made many, many, many more laws, which sometimes were just the opposite of what was written here. The Sabbath was a heavy load. Not a holiday anymore. Normally you say, oh, day. A day. No work. But in the end, you had to ask, am I allowed to do this? Am I allowed to do that? <laughs> it was a heavy load in the end. It was a day of rest, but you were uneasy and was a way of unrest. <laughs> it was too much. They'd invented laws, laws, laws. God never had commanded. So God wants the best for us. He has the best program. We should not take away from his law and we should not add anything to his law which is just the opposite of this law. Just stay on the road. This is the best way of driving ahead. It doesn't matter if you fall on, it, it, it's, it's not important if you lose the track on the, on the right or on the left side. If you lose the track, 
you're off the road. Here or there. Whatever. So keep the commandments. Be on the track. Be there. <laughs> there is the road. There it will be fine for you. There you can go onward. If, if, if you want to be blessed, then stay on the track. Be on the road to heaven. God wants to bless you. Love him, trust him. Summary. A lawyer stepped up to Jesus and asked him a question. And we read in the Bible in Matthew chapter 22, verse 35, it was in the way of tempting Jesus. Ah, tempting Jesus. This was the reason. And he asked, Master, uh, which is the great commandment in the law? Now, there's not, uh, not only ten, there are even more, but the ten commandments are the heart, and out of the ten, what is the greatest one? So this is a, a theme of discussion. This will be endless. This is as if you ask, should we eat or should we drink? <laughs> Everything is important. And Jesus made an interesting answer. Very interesting. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment. Ah, so there's another one. No, it's, it's the top. It's the nail in the wall where the others are hanging on. Now, when you look at Jesus' answer, he goes on, and the second is like unto it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. These are the two nails. They are two tablets of stone. One, organizing the relationship to God. The other one, Organizing the relationship to all the people around you. It's like the cross. The first one is loving God. Second one, loving your neighbor. And these two together, they are the great and most important commandment. Because in these two, love, love, hang. The rest, the rest will follow. As Jesus says in John 14, verse 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. This is the point. If you love me, then, 
Very often, people take only one part. Either they say, keep the commandments, keep the commandments. But, but you're not able to without love. On the other hand, love, love. We love Jesus, but we don't care of keeping the commandments. We only say we love Jesus. It's only p -p 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 testimony of lips. But it's not reality. And the two belong together. If you love me, you keep my commandments. One is number one, and the next is number two. So when Jesus is asked, what is the great commandment? Love. Towards God and towards your neighbor. With all your heart. Then these tablets and stone will come alive. Then everything on this planet will come into order. Then things will, will function in a new way. There will be happiness. No more stealing, no more robbery, no more breaking of the marriage vow. You don't have to be afraid of anyone. No one will kill you. No more wars. Nothing. Nowhere, nowhere any blood on the ground because someone has been killed. Nothing. Imagine. Ten points. If you love God, you are able to keep the commandments. Then it is easy, John says in his first letter.